Hey, welcome to the Epic Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad Mitchell, and besides being a husband and a father to four wonderful children, I am also a small business owner. And I'm Bobby Hawk. I'm co-hosting with Chad. And not only am I a husband and father of two, but I am also a pastor. So we're going to talk about leadership and whether you are in the marketplace or the ministry, I think the Epic Leadership Podcast can encourage and enhance your leadership. Here we go. Well, welcome back to the Epic Leadership Podcast. I'm Chad Mitchell. I'm here with Bobby. Bobby, what's going on? Uh, well, we're starting the summer here. June has arrived, so it's exciting. And as we said, we're uh, actually going to take the next few months during the summer, and uh, we're going to do some leadership laps, which us uh, for us just means that we're going to have some guests on so that you're not entirely bored with Chad and myself. And so, uh, so I'm excited. Our first guest today. So this is good. Yeah, I, I was a little concerned when you started talking about laps because uh, I thought you were actually going to make us run some laps. And, you know, that's not my thing right now. <laughs> no, we're going to swim laps. But uh, no, our leadership lap, if you joined us last time, we talked about uh, thinking about kind of a, a track, if you will. And uh, life really is a, a race, a marathon. And if somebody could join us on each lap. They tell me it's four laps for a mile, Chad. I yeah. wouldn't know. I have no idea. Tell you how many miles it is to crumble cookie, but, uh, but, <laughs> but they say it's four laps. So we're going to go with that. So we're going to have four guests and, uh, each guest is going to join us for a lap. And the, the idea is asking them, what could we learn from them in their leadership journey? So I'm really excited about today. It's going to be fun. You bet. Yeah. So our, our first guest today, um, and I'm really super excited about this one because it, when we started this, you know, I mentioned to you that, man, I want to have people on here that I want to learn from, you know, people that I admire in their field and kind of what they do as far as leadership goes. And um, I just want to learn from them. So uh, our first guest today is none other than our good friend, Alicia Scott. Alicia, welcome. Hey, hey, hey. She is. Welcome. So Alicia, um, she'll tell you a little bit about herself, but uh, it's so exciting to have her on. Number one, I've known Alicia for probably, what is it, five years now, six years, four years. So I, it's it's moving too quick for me. So I've uh, known Alicia for four years. Um, she's been a, a great friend of mine. She, we, we are in some civic organizations together, uh, the three of us. So uh, it's always good to have somebody else from the outside come in and, and kind of help us through this leadership thing because this is a big topic. So uh, Alicia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your journey. Yeah, sure. So I'm Alicia Scott, a local small business owner. I have an insurance and financial services firm here in town. Um, so I have a, a small team, small team of four currently, but my journey to get here was kind of a long one. Um, so I'm not from this area, from the Casey area. I moved here from a small town in Iowa. Um, you know, really my journey, I guess, started uh, when I was very young. I've always worked in some sort of sales type of position. Um, I always felt that I wanted to be rewarded for working harder than the person next to me. And I felt like sales was always the opportunity to do that. So whether it was even being a waitress, because you do have to sell yourself and the better you are, then the more money you make. Um, in college, I knocked on doors. So I knocked on people's doors, said, hey, can I paint your house this summer? And then in the summer, I painted their houses. Um, after that, I sold cars. You know, so I have always been in, in some sort of sales. My folks both um, have always been entrepreneurs. 
They have worked very hard. So my dad is a very passionate musician. My mom um, ran a landscaping company, but it was really just her. And I've never seen two people work so hard and be so passionate about something and be so unsuccessful, be so financially unsuccessful. Um, my hope is to change that story. And by the business that I'm running now, you know, I am able to really show my passion in the community um, and be able to develop people underneath me. And I've never been happier. Man, uh, so we got to go back before we go forward. Uh, so I love I love your story. I think we can all relate, at least in the room here, because uh, you started as a kid, right? Mm -hmm. Like selling stuff. And, uh, and I love what you said, but I don't want to misquote it, but about the person next to you. Kind of say that again, because that really resonated with me about being successful and selling more than the person next to you. How did you say that again? That was... Well, I, I think with sales, you have the opportunity to really get rewarded for working harder than the person next to you. And there it is. It's yes, that's, I love that. I mean, it's such that's life, right? It is. I mean, that that's that's life. If you are driven to be rewarded, then you are going to have to work harder than the person next to you. And I don't think that's a bad thing if the motive is good. Right. Right. If the motive is not just selfish reward for reward's sake. But what I heard the motive was you want to change the story in your family yeah. for the next generation. And I know I I relate to that. That's the yeah. story that I want to change. My dad was in sales, um, probably not very successful, uh, but certainly uh, not successful as a dad. Right. It didn't that didn't translate. And that's the same thing. I want to change my story. So I, I love that's a great way to kick off. Like to yeah. me, if, for sure. Nothing else, like I'm motivated just to continue to change the story, but uh, man, that's cool. So Chad, real quick, uh, first sales thing that you can remember, because we all kind of are in some form of sales, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, so my first one was, was actually yards. So I was, I was mowing yards and, uh, you know, I was selling, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. Um, you know, just by gaining more customers with that. And then when it wasn't, uh, when it wasn't mowing season, it was, it was snow shoveling. So, uh, that, that's what we were doing. And, and I can still remember back, my dad would manage the phones. He would manage the phones from the house and he would take all the customers that would call in. And then he would, you know, back then we didn't have the cell phones. So I would stop at different customers houses. I would call him and get the list of addresses that I had to go to next you know, during the winter, during are you the old enough for easier. the party lines? Did you guys have party lines or did you have? Yeah, I, I, I think that I don't think it was the party line situation. There, <laughs> I still remember the home still phone rotary number, though. though, right? <laughs> <laughs> rotary for sure. phone for sure. Right, for so, sure. So your first one was mowing lawns and, yeah. and shoveling snow. So I did that, too. But at least you'll get a kick out of this. So I got kicked off the bus in elementary school. We won't go into why. <laughs> and uh, my grandpa had to take me to school. Uh we had lived with him for a while, but we lived close enough. He'd pick me up. And so uh, I would have him run me by quick trip every day, right on 39th, same quick trip looks a lot different now, but uh, 39th street here. And, uh, and I would spend $5 and I could buy 15 items because they had a lot of things that were three for a dollar. So six packs of donuts, uh, hot tamales, they had different things, you know, between candy and breakfast items. And I'd fill this lunch bag and then I would go sell them at school. And so uh, I was on like the 40 cent reduced lunch with my mom. And so I would eat school lunch while selling these items and I'd sell them for a dollar. So I 
spend five bucks, make 15 bucks. So the net was 10 bucks a day. So as a fourth, fifth, sixth grade kid, I'm making uh, 50 bucks a week nice. just on, uh, yeah. So I, I love it, but that was the idea. Like I needed to do that. I wanted to do that. So that's awesome. Just, okay. just hustling kids and their parents out of their money. <laughs> well, that's true. And we did have some kids that, uh, they, they, they took their parents' money or, or something maybe. And, uh, the best sell I ever had, Chad, uh, was sixth grade, uh, four fruit roll-ups for 20 bucks. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that was a good, that was a good day. Was a good. The sure. stock market was up that day. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, you know, we talked about having Alicia on um, for a while now, so it's always good to bring some other different perspective in. And and one thing I will say about Alicia, when she come, and as you know, Bobby, Alicia and I are in the same industry, okay? So typically you'll find people that, you know, like, well, I don't want to give her secrets or anything like that because she's my competition, you know? And when she came to town, I, I was like, yeah, I want to tell her everything that I know because I'm going to get a lot in return from her as well as far as the things that she knows. And out of all the people that, that I've seen that's in this industry, she's probably one of the harder workers that I've seen. And, uh, that, that resonated well with me. So, uh, so happy to have her on. And, and Alicia, we're going to talk a little bit about leadership today, but I've had the opportunity to meet your team. I've had the opportunity to meet them. I've had the opportunity to actually work with them and, and get to hear what they say about their boss. Uh-oh. And it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to hear the comments that come out of them and, and they, they love you to death. I will tell you that. So congratulations to you for on that. But talk to us a little bit about your team and just your leadership style. Yeah, well, I, I think to start with, it's always lead by example. Um, I never ask my team to do anything that I haven't done myself or I'm not willing to do myself or they've seen me do myself. Um, I think it's really hard to lead a small business asking people to do things that they've never seen you do or something you're not willing to do. Um, we should be the ones that are showing them how to do it and how to do it right. And I, I think that that's where the initial, you know, buy-in comes in. Um, but even from the initial interview, when I am trying to, you know, interview somebody to join my team, it is really not necessarily about the job itself. It's about, are they passionate about helping people? And whether that's helping people in our industry or being a part of some of the community things that that I'm passionate about, um, it only makes sense to me to hire people that share those same values because they're a direct reflection of me when I'm not there. And um, so I guess to start leading by example. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, you know, you mentioned that a little bit. So if I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, when you hire new people, mm-hmm. your job's really tough. It's very tough. Yes. Um, you know, one thing is that you're never going to find somebody that cares about the business as much as you do. And they shouldn't. And you shouldn't expect them to. But you want to get close. Yeah. You know, you want them to at least share some of the same passions as you do. Yeah, for sure. Bobby, what are your thoughts? Well, my first thought is I'm, I'm still a, a little hung up on the fact that I thought we were all three in the same industry. I mean, I sell fire insurance, but uh, anyway, so <laughs> for those of you listening, uh, I, I'm a pastor, so I'll just let you fill in the gaps on that joke. But anyway, uh, no, I, I, I think what I hear with leader, leading by example, you know, there's, there's a tension. Maybe you guys agree or disagree, so feel free to push back. But there's a tension with this idea of making sure that you're showing others not just what to do, 
but showing others that you're willing to do, mm-hmm. right? Because none of us get above serving, but then balancing that tension, in your case as business owners and, and leading your small business with only do what only you can do, right? Because there are going to be certain things that you have to do in order to be successful. So maybe my question then back to Alicia would be, because I 100% believe in that lead by example. You know, I, I mean, that's, uh, to me, uh, the essence of leadership, right, is is serving and, and through leading. But but I've also realized, as you probably have, that as the the person sitting in the, the leadership chair or the boss or however you want to phrase that, that there are certain things only you can do. And so when I've heard people say, only do what only you can do, I don't fully buy into that because I think you know, you can still clean a bathroom, so to speak. I mean, we all can do that. Um, how do you balance demonstrating that you're not above doing anything that you ask any of your team members to do and balancing only doing what only you can do? Does that question make sense? How do you balance the two? Because it, it, there's a little bit of a tension in there, isn't there? There is. I mean, that's something that I'm still trying to work on. Um, you know, I think that there's always a talk in leadership about time management and I know you guys have talked about, you know, spreading yourself too thin and becoming mediocre at a lot of things versus really good at a few things, um, which is something that I continuously try to get better at. But um, I, I think really what it comes down to is teaching others to do those things um, that you need done, knowing that you cannot do all the things. So finding the people that are going to be really good at some of the things that maybe you're not as passionate about is, you know, I think we always try to find those two or three things in our business that we just love doing and try to get really good at those. And then you want to delegate the rest or stop doing the rest of the things if you can. And I think finding somebody who can do and be passionate about those other things that maybe you're not so passionate about. Yeah, that's, that's good. And maybe I was just thinking about this, Alicia, because Chad knows you through, uh, through your industry, right? You're in the same industry, but I actually met you through those service organizations we talked about. Mm -hmm. And so I think that actually demonstrates probably that side of, uh, your willingness to do those things. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it as a leader. Maybe you don't always do all of the task at, your job, even though you've probably done all of them at one point, mm-hmm. but maybe it's also finding other ways to still serve. And you, you certainly do that. Cause again, that's how I met you. So, um, yeah, but I think that, that be that example, that's, that's huge. Chad, your thoughts. I mean, yeah, for sure. And you know, Alicia and I talk about this a lot, um, in our business as a small business owner, I, th- I think we really have, we really have three different characteristics that we have to follow. Okay. When it comes to running a business, we either have to a do it ourselves, b hire somebody else to do it, or c make that decision that we're not going to do it at all. I mean, that's our only options, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're balancing all of those together. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, especially with new people coming in and those kind of things, and you know, um, Alicia's got some new people that she just hired. Yes, uh, you've got a new team that you're that you're kind of bringing in and kind of building up. What's been the what's been the most rewarding for you on that side of things with that new team coming in? Yeah, so this year I've had to change a lot. I mean, the environment around us when it comes to what people are people are looking for in a new position has changed. What people value 
as far as time has changed. I think people want to spend more time with their families. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the work-life balance and what that means to different people. So I've had to really readjust um, my entire team environment. I completely changed the schedules. We went to a four-day work week, for example, um, which is something I never thought I'd do. If you would have asked me that four years ago, I'd be like, no, let's go to a seven-day work week. With your work ethic, I can assume that would be the case. <laughs> you know. I was thinking eight day, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I was never good at math. So, so changes in that. Um, I actually uh, now use a team that helps me with training where I've always done it myself. But I've, I've found that hiring somebody else who does it better than me, you know, just makes sense. Um, there's a lot of things that I used to do myself that now I have outsourced and found somebody that can do it better than me. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that, you know, and, and you and I have talked about this and I've actually challenged you on this a couple of times is, is making sure that you're spending your time on the things that's going to be most impactful for your business. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's too many times we can get wrapped up in, in the little, the little office playing side of things that, you know, to be honest with you, when you're talking about revenue in a business that, that really doesn't pay very well. Shuffling papers has never paid very well for me, but you outsourcing some things that you're really good at, but to be honest, you're probably better served doing some other things. So outsourcing those things has helped you out. Relinquishing control was probably one of the hardest things that I had to do as a business owner. Um, before actually owning a business, just maybe being some sort of a manager role or just a top salesperson for that matter. I mean, it was always, um, I'm going to work harder than the person next to me. I don't want you to do it because I'm going to do it better. Yeah. And that is not an option as a business owner. You cannot do it all. Well, that's a, that's a good point. So I think I keep hearing this tension back and forth that we were talking about earlier is a willingness to do anything in the organization. And sometimes you will do those things, even if it's just to be an example, but also the tension with understanding that in order to continue to grow the organization while you're willing that doesn't mean that you actually do all of those things because Absolutely. that's yeah. so that that brings up a good tension when every once in a while we hire somebody and they clearly can do that thing or those things better than we can right i mean yeah. and we know they can and i think that's easier to release but then there are those things that either you're really passionate about or you're really good at or you think you're really good at those are the things hard to release, right? Because somebody else might only do 90% in your mind, at least that's to me, that's the hard parts to delegate. It's not hard to delegate things that I absolutely know somebody is better. It's hard to delegate when I feel somebody's not necessarily better, but this is something that needs to be delegated. Yeah. Do you guys sure. wrestle with that at all? Is that a tension for you? It is. And it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act for me. And you know what, I, if I'm being transparent with you, Bobby, sometimes I get it wrong. You know, sometimes I'm doing things that I probably shouldn't be doing um, just because of, you know, you talked a little bit about the release control factor. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to, str I struggle with that as well. And there's certain things that I probably shouldn't be doing, but the ability for me to release control is just not there yet. Yep. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it's part of the struggle though, but so how in, in your industry, but even and less really specific to your industry, but because both of you are in a similar industry, how do you know those things? I mean, do you guys bring somebody in who can, who knows your industry and can say, okay, 
here's what I think you can do. You know, here's some things you can probably stop doing and other people can do to be successful. Is that just something that's self-evaluation? I mean, what do you personally do so that you know that you're growing and you're not doing the things that you probably shouldn't be doing? How, how do you, how do you figure that out? You know, I think for me, it's conversations with Alicia. Mm -hmm. It's conversations with some of our, our best friends in the industry because, Hey, what is it that you're doing that's working? You know what I mean? And, and, in our, we call them study groups or, or whatever you want to call them, but we're always continually to try to focus on making ourselves better. And, you know, the other thing is there's a ton of books and podcasts. Lack of information is not a problem. There's, there's so much information out there. Um, lack of dedication to learn the information would be the problem. So, um, Alicia, what are your thoughts? I think it's just surrounding yourself with people that do it better than you is whether it's people in the same industry, maybe it's people that aren't in your same industry, but you know, sometimes running a business is running a business. You know, there's many things that you can learn from people in different industries. And, um, gosh, you know, sometimes people will say like, don't compare yourself to other people. Why not? I mean, you should, if somebody's doing it better than you and you want to be better, ask them what they're doing. They'll share. People love to share. People at heart are kind. And I've found that I've never had anybody not willing to share. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and, and I, I think that's, you know, in our industry, it's always, it's always um, heartwarming to know that most everybody will share. Now there's some that won't. <laughs> there's a few. And there's, and there's, <laughs> and there's a few that we can say, is that real or what's going on there? But uh, for the most part, everybody's yeah. going to share for sure. But probably the ones that don't share, probably the ones that are also not allowing others to teach them. Is that a fair statement? I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not willing to share, you're probably also not willing to receive. Here's what I'm hearing from both of you. And I think this is a, a great practical takeaway for our listeners, which by the way, if you're listening to the podcast, what you may not know is uh, we, we try to make this a conversation. And so we don't go over all the talking points ahead of time. Um, we each bring to the table some things that apply to maybe the topic, but that's what I love about this. So this wasn't scripted, but what I'm hearing you guys say is imitate what works and innovate what doesn't. Is that fair? In other words, I can learn yeah. from other people if they're doing it better than I can. Sure. And then there's going to be times where maybe I'm not finding somebody doing that, or I just have that skill set and I'm innovating. And the point is, is it's a balance of both. You don't have to create everything new if there's a system that works better or somebody that knows how to do it better, learn from them, right? Imitate them. That's okay. That's not bad comparison. That's good yeah. comparison. Mm -hmm. But if all you do is chase other people at some point, you're not going to be true to who you are. So you do want to, you know, innovate some things that are personal to you. And, and that balance is probably why both of you are successful. And it's probably why some people in your industry are not because they either choose to fully imitate they're just copycats and they're, they're not living in themselves and, or they just don't want to share anything. And it's just, I'm going to figure it out all on my own. And that's great. But I don't know about you. If somebody's already tried the poisonous mushroom, I don't need to try it too, to see if it's poisonous, right? Sure. Yep. Like For let sure. me learn from their experience. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh, so what about this is kind of the, all of this is on culture, but I, I would be curious, Alicia, to hear specifically, uh, Chad asked you about the rewards of hiring new people, but in your organization, uh, talk to me about culture and how do you guard or keep the culture that you want? Like what, what do you do to make sure that the culture that you want in your organization 
isn't being hijacked by, let's say, a new employee or somebody in the organization that would want to steer it in a different direction than what you would want it to go in? Sure. Um, I mean, that's very tough, especially in a small business. You know, I always talk to my team about when we bring somebody new on is that we are bringing somebody on that you are going to spend more time with than you spend with your family. So who are you prepared to bring into your family? And when you're in a position like a sales role, which most of my team are, is that by bringing in another person, that is going to affect you. You are going to have less leads coming in to you when this person comes in uh, just by default. So are you willing to give up your leads because you think that this person is going to be make our team better as a whole? So um, I guess one of those things is I always have, and I know Chad does this as well, is we always have our team interview these folks without us there so that they can be absolutely transparent about how we are as leaders. Um, but the, the team also, they choose who, who they're going to bring into their family. So it's not just on me if this person, you know, hurts our culture. It's the entire team makes that decision. Wow. Okay. So we got to, we got to stop there for a second because that to me is a huge takeaway when it comes to culture because the family picture. Yeah. So I'm just thinking if you just apply that to your own life, anybody that you move into your house mm -hmm. is going to affect the dynamic of your family. Absolutely. I mean, that's, we all understand that. Even the family dog. Yeah. <laughs> even, <laughs> even the family pet, right? We all understand that. And hopefully most of us would think about that before bringing somebody into the house, I, whether mother-in-law, you know, whether in-laws, new spouse through a situation, uh, extra kids, whatever. We would think about that and at least say, how's it going to affect the dynamic? But how many of us necessarily think of it in those same terms with our jobs? And if you're in a small business environment, but I would say even a large business environment most every business still has a small business within the business, right? They have right. a team, they have teams. You're saying you're spending probably more time with that group of people than you are even with your family. So why wouldn't you consider the same, you know, at least put a high priority on that instead of just hiring for the sake of hiring? That, that to me, that's good. And the team interview, that yeah. to me is because those people are working with them <laughs> not just you. And maybe that's, maybe that's a takeaway for somebody here that's in a position like you're in or like I'm in, you know, maybe the bigger part of the hiring is less the interview that I'm going to have. I may not even have to live with them quote as often yep. as other people. And maybe they need to do the interviewing and they're probably going to pick up something that I might not pick up mm -hmm. because they're looking at it from a different lens, seeing it through a different window. That's, that's good. Chad, what about, I mean, again, uh, I know you guys are in similar industries, but either way, culture I know is very important to you. So what would you say based off what Alicia said about culture? You know, I think it's, I think it's probably the fundamental foundation of who we are um, as, as an office structure, as a business structure. Um, you know, our culture has always been centered around, number one, education. Okay, how do we educate not only ourselves, but how do we educate those that we're working with on the things that matter the most to them? Okay. Um, within the confines of our industry. So how do we educate them? The other thing is how do we work really hard, but yet we still have fun, you know? So yeah. what does that look like? Uh, you know, last week, just last week, we shut down the office half a day and we all went to the Royals game. Now, did we lose business in that half a day? I'm sure we did. Okay. 
But I will tell you that the impacts from what we did the following days after that were, were you, you can't put a number on it because it just, it, it pays to sometimes just sit back, take, take a break, relax a little bit and get to know each other as, as people within your team organization. You know, Alicia talks a little bit about the team interviews and those kind of things. Bobby, I worked for corporate America for years and, and I believe they had it wrong. And I believe some corporations still have it wrong. You know, everything's designed. Okay. This HR department hires everybody. Well, the HR department's never done the job. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for them to hire the right person if they've never done the job. So my role, and I believe Alicia's role in what we do as small business owners is our job is to put people in front of our teams to hire. Yep. Okay. I, I, I don't, I can't remember the last person I hired. Okay. I can't remember the last person I hired, but I also can't remember the last time my team came to me and said, well, why did you hire them? You know what I mean? Because it, it comes down to, they know our culture better than I do. Okay. Because they're the ones that help build it. So they're going to have a much better understanding of who fits in that role versus who doesn't. So I hear, I heard you say it pays to play. That's part of what I heard you say. Uh, but I'm also, when I'm thinking about the hiring, let's, let's shift that over because there are times to protect your culture. Not only do you have to hire the right people, but you may have to let go of the wrong people. So my thoughts with culture are you're either a contributor to culture or you're a cancer to culture. Is that a fair statement? I mean, nobody's really neutral in culture. You're either perpetuating and making it better or you're taking away. So when you feel like, you know, the team's brought the person on, it feels good, maybe it's working for a while, but how do you know when, and and I'm going to say, let's take competency aside. Okay. If they just can't perform the task, that's one thing I'm talking about. The person's competent, maybe the most competent on your team at their job, but they're a cancer to culture. How do you know when that's happening and how do you process that as a leader? Alicia? Alicia? Well, I, I think one thing I found is that especially if you're in the, the team environment, nobody wants to be a tattletale. Nobody wants to say, hey, this person is making my life miserable. Hey, this person is messing with our culture. Um, but you'd be surprised what you learn when you speak one-on-one with individuals and you just be very direct and you ask the questions. Um, it's important to me that you know that my team and I are meeting individual individually monthly at least, and just talking about how things are going. Um, typically when you hit, get those one-on-one situations, you find out things that you really didn't know might be going on behind the scenes. Another thing that's always helped me too, is that if somebody leaves, I always do an exit interview. And during that exit interview, you find out all sorts of things because they have nothing to lose. <laughs> they have no reason not to be completely honest. And they, they care about you enough um, because they do want you to be good and they do want you to be successful. Um, so I find out a lot of information during, during one-on-ones. Yeah. And I would also say part of our job as leaders, Bobby, is, is we need to be able to quote unquote, read the room. We need to be able yeah. to understand our team for who they are. And a part of that comes from those, from those individual meetings, but understand them for who they are, understand what's important to them, understand what they enjoy, understand what they don't enjoy. And by doing that, you'll be able to tell really quick where sometimes it's a hard one to deal with. You know, I would say that 
some of the bigger problems areas in my culture came from some of the better salespeople in my culture, sure. to be honest with you. Because as salespeople, sometimes we bring a negative connotation sometimes because it's it's more about all about me as opposed to all about us. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sometimes that can happen. But I will tell you that that can destroy a team really quick. And sometimes it's hard as a leader to make tough decisions to say, okay, here's my top salesperson, but they're my top salesperson because of X, Y, Z. And what's happening is, is they're, they're bringing everything else down. I think probably I was that salesperson at one point and I had to learn the hard way, right? I had to learn the hard way that, you know, I'm making a wake of around me because of just the way that I am, you know what I mean? And, and that was a tough lesson to learn, but, uh, you know, as I learned that lesson and as I got better with that, I realized that the team atmosphere was so much more rewarding than the individual atmosphere because as an individual, it gets lonely. It does. Well, the old adage, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. It sounds like culture eats salesmen for lunch. So <laughs> there you go. But in all honesty, it's true. Uh, the culture piece versus the competency piece. I think good leaders understand that both are important, but culture always trumps competency or it should, because if you have competent people, even the most competent that are a cancer to the culture, um, they may win the day, uh, but, but you'll, you'll lose, you know, the, the culture that keeps people there and that keeps you probably loving what you do. So let's shift a little bit because, uh, we're coming to the final stretch of this lap. And so um, I would just be curious, and, and certainly you can share more than one, but Alicia, I would be curious um, if I just ask you the question, what do you think the key to leadership is? I realize you can't necessarily oversimplify leadership to one thing, but if you could pick one thing, and if you want to go on and elaborate more than one, you can, but if you could pick one thing for our listeners that you feel like is a key to your effective leadership, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one uh, because obviously I still have tons to learn and I'm always trying to get better at this. But so far, I think one of the things that I have found to be most successful in the team getting ownership of the business would be working on their development plan as an individual, both personally and professionally from day one. Um, you know, when I hire somebody, they're coming in in our entry level position. I'm never hiring somebody for like an upper management position or anything like that. And when I hire somebody, I tell them, look, my intention is not for you to stay here. And what I mean by that is that this is a short term position. And if I'm doing my job right, then you are either going to move up to a leadership position within my agency. You are going to open your own business because you are that good, or you're going to find somebody because of the things you learned here, somebody else is going to snatch you up and they're going to pay you way more than I can pay you. And I think just knowing that up front, that there is a plan to this, um, really gives them the ownership of the business itself. Well, and I love that because who wouldn't want to work in that environment when somebody says, my goal is to develop you. Yeah. And I want to develop you to the point that you actually move on, not move out, move on to bigger and better things. I mean, that, that to me is so much better than saying, Hey, I want you to develop the business. Yeah. Yeah. 
because that will actually happen, right? As a result, that's what you, if you guys seen that, you're developing people, that is what's developing your business because you're developing people. But it's just a different way, I think, that a lot of people look at business. They look at the means to the end. You know, the people are here to help me achieve my dream. It almost sounds like you're saying, I'm here to help you achieve yours. And as I help you achieve yours, you're going to help me achieve mine. That's the win-win. Chad, do you concur with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you can watch it and you can watch it happen. Mm -hmm. You can watch it happen over the years. You can, you can watch and, and you know, the, the, the fear that you always have is, you know, you, you develop these people and then they leave to go do something bigger and better. And the fear that you always have is, oh my gosh, now what, now what am I going to do? How are we going to continue to be as successful without them as we were with them? And I would, I would contend that over the past experiences that I've had, those good people actually bring your other people up. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? It, they actually make them better than, than what they were when they started. So I, I think that's the definition of, of a, of a true leadership within the office is making those around you better than they currently were when you started. Yeah. Well, that's a great, it's a great takeaway. And you know, it's interesting that you would share that Alicia, because it really goes back to what you shared right at the beginning about being an example. So there's a theme here, right? That you're, you're helping others, you're serving others. And by doing that and developing them, they're actually helping you not only develop as a leader, but they're actually helping you develop your business. So, uh, Chad, what, uh, what, what question would you have as we wrap this up for Alicia? You know, I, I would just, I, I would leave with a couple things. Number one, Alicia, thank you so much for, for being a part of this because I think you bring just some great insight to this and, and you definitely brighten up the room between Bobby and I here because, uh, <laughs> well, with that's just us, not hard you know? to do. I mean, so we appreciate you for doing that. But, uh, recently you were, had the opportunity to attend our local chamber of commerce lead program. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. And, and what did you learn through that process? Oh, that is a wonderful program. Um, it actually took me until year three to sign up for that program because you do commit a lot of time to it. So you're spending one whole day um, for nine months. So once a month for nine months, uh, being a part of this leadership education and development program is, is what it is. Um, but I, I was like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And what I learned from that was that there are so many people in this community from so many different industries, backgrounds, um, that just really got me to think in a different way. So I kind of, I guess it's kind of hard to describe, but the relationships that you develop with these people. So what they do in this program is they ask you really tough questions about your leadership style and they challenge you. And um, you're sharing with these people that have really no idea, you know, what it is, what, how you do your job and um, just the relationships you build from that. And then the things you learn in this community, you're visiting all these local businesses you don't even know exist and all the wonderful things that are happening. And it, you just, I, I tell people it's kind of like a little secret society is that you don't know until you know. Um, so if anybody out there has heard of this program and you have not tried it, lead with the Independence Chamber of Commerce is something very worth taking the time for. Yeah, so what, I, what I'm gathering from that is, number one, it's a great program, but number two, as a leader, you're never done leading. You're never done leading. And you're never done learning. So it was a good learning process for you, and you're still trying to develop your leadership skills. So uh, hats off to you for doing that. 
That's awesome. Alicia, it's been fun. It's been uh, it's been a great conversation with you. I think we could probably go on for hours on this, but uh, you know, great topics, great takeaways. Bobby, what do you think? Well, I think it'd be good if uh, if we ask one final question, uh, maybe for our listeners, because of the whole yeah, leaders are learners. Um, and so, uh, do you have a favorite uh, leadership book or? Uh, maybe it's a leadership podcast or just something that's kind of a go-to for you or something you'd recommend to our listeners, because obviously they're listening uh, because they're wanting to continue to learn. And so we appreciate that. And uh, so if there's anything, whether it's a resource, a book, a podcast, anything you'd recommend for those listening in to check out. Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. There are so many great leadership books out there. Um, for whatever reason, this one is coming to mind. And it's been, I read this book, I was in an airport. I missed my connecting flight. I'm in a line of hours. I mean, it's like a four hour line just to get to get up to the front of the line. People are so upset. And I have this book and it's called The Energy Bus. And it is a short read and it is not a profound book. But more or less, it's about the energy that you bring and the energy that you are bringing to other people by what you portray. Um, and I'm just watching people in this line just angry and yelling and all of these things. And it, it just has always stuck with me. And I really took that back with me. And, you know, if you, speaking of culture, you know, you are the culture of your business is the personality of your business. So are you reflecting the personality that you want? And is your culture reflecting that? And the energy bus is a great read for that. Yeah. If I remember right, uh, no energy vampires on the bus. <laughs> right, That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Great read. If you haven't checked that one out, check that one out. There are some great topics in there. And like you said, it's a quick read quick and read. you'll, and you'll pull a lot of stuff out of that. I read it in the line. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a long line for sure. It was. So shout out to John Gordon and the energy bus. And so, uh, pick up a copy or, so get it through Audible or something, and uh, that will encourage you between now and our next podcast. So, uh, so Chad, uh, since we're doing this lap, lap two, the baton, it's going to be handoff uh, in July. We're going to have uh, Dr. Bob Jerome. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dr. Jerome is the superintendent for the Blue Springs School District uh, here uh, locally. And uh, what I'm excited about with him is he just completed – his first year as superintendent. Now he's been with the district a long time and we'll talk a little bit about his journey next month, but your first year sitting in a superintendent role of a school district, one of the largest school districts in the state, and it's uh, right smack in the middle of COVID. And mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to just hear some of his uh, leadership thoughts and takeaways, and that'll be in July. So I'm excited about that. Uh, but Chad, just kind of wrap this up and uh, uh, we'll uh, hopefully get some shares and some good reviews on this. And Alicia, I'll just say this before we turn it to Chad. Thank you for being here and uh, just sharing some thoughts and insight with us. Uh, it is, uh, it's great to have another voice and thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been a great program today. Hopefully you guys have been able to pull some stuff out of this. Um, if nothing else, you got a good book recommendation and uh, you know, I know Alicia, really brightened up the room in here for us. And uh, hopefully she brightened up the topics here for us as well. So uh, it's always good to have a different perspective from this. But uh, looking forward to talking to you guys next month in July with Dr. Bob Jerome of the Blue Spring School District. That'll be an awesome conversation that we look forward to having. 
If you felt like this was worthy for you, if you felt like other people would benefit it, please share this out. Leave us a review. And if you have any comments that uh, that you feel like that we could do better, leave those for us as well. But uh, other than that, Bobby, we'll see you next month in July as we talk to Dr. Bob Jerome, and uh, we'll take another lap around this subject. Sounds good. See you soon. Take care. Thanks for joining the Epic Leadership Podcast. Man, this is just fun for Bobby and I just to kind of talk back and forth and hopefully give you some good insights into some leadership of a couple different industries. And if you've enjoyed it, we would love to have a good review. Uh, Give us a five-star rating if you can. Share it with some friends. If you didn't like it, then tune in again next time and we will try to do better. We'll see you next time, guys.